0: Welcome to The Drop Off, epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow, featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Reel. Hello. Thanks for tuning in to The Drop Off. I'm Nicole Reel, and today I'm very excited to welcome Lisa Steven, founder and executive director of Hope House Colorado. And Epic executive member. Lisa started Hope House in 2003. And since then, Hope House has reached new levels and growth as a highly successful and critically important community organization based in Arvada, Colorado. We are excited to have Lisa join us as she has an exciting new year ahead of her. Thank you for joining us today, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, first we're on to our Question around just getting to know you, I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your background. Can you tell us about yourself and how you first had the idea for Hope House? It
1: really all starts with the fact that my husband and I were teenage parents. Um, We got pregnant when we were 17 and got married, also at 17. All of my wedding photos, I'm smiling with my lips closed because I didn't want anyone to see my braces. I thought I would look older if um, no one could tell that I still had braces on when I got married. Now we've been married for 37 years. We have three kids. Um our oldest, who we had when we right after we turned 18, has been married himself for 13 years and has three little ones. I started working with teenage moms just as a volunteer um, back in the late 90s through MOPS, mothers of preschoolers. They had just started um, what they call teen mops, um, so support groups basically for teenage mothers. And it seemed like the perfect fit um for me to volunteer with that group. And honestly, just had no idea that so many teenage moms in our community um, and teenage moms in general were dealing with generational poverty. I didn't know what generational poverty was, even though I was a teenage mom and I grew up in a home that would, would be what I now know to be considered situational poverty. My dad just uh, had a problem with a drinking problem. He didn't work. Um, regularly, my parents had a really dysfunctional marriage, but I technically grew up in a middle class home. And so finding out that so many of these teen moms were dealing with domestic violence in their homes, addictions in their home, flat out homelessness, and that these were generational cycles that our moms were experiencing was new to me and distressing to me. And honestly, the reason Hope House started is because so many of those girls, as we built trusting relationships with them as volunteers, were asking if they could come and stay with us or live at our house because they didn't feel safe where they lived. And that didn't seem like a great option. And honestly, my husband had told me, I'm totally supportive and on board with you volunteering, but you can't bring anyone home because he knows me and I would want to bring someone home. This little leadership group at this teen mops group started looking at what else is out there in our community. And Turns out there were no homes, and still are no other homes for parenting teenage moms under the age of 18 that are volunteer voluntary um, programs. There are residential treatment facility programs, and that was sort of the beginning of actually not me. Someone else in the group said, "Hey, we should just open a home for teen moms," and I said, "Sure, I'll be on that committee," and thought that it would be a volunteer thing, and here we are. 23 years later, um, it took us three years to open Hope House as the residential program. Uh, we started out as a, just a residential home for up to six teenage moms and their little ones, and today grown to serving 250 moms across
0: the metro area through various educational and, and self-sufficiency support programs. Wow, what an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing your background and you know being so candid with that as well. And congratulations on 37 years of marriage, too. Thank you. I feel like so many of the jobs that some of us end up in just start as a passion project or start as volunteering and turn into so much more. So it's really fun to hear your story. Hope House empowers teenage moms to strive for personal and economic self-sufficiency. Can you explain how you do this and really why that's so important for those teen moms?
1: nationally, only about 50% of teenage moms will graduate with a high school diploma and um, fewer than 2% will earn a college degree. Um, There are over 2000 babies born to teen moms in Colorado every year, and most of them live below the federal poverty line. It is a, a personal passion of mine for teenage moms to not feel that stigma and judgment that comes with being a teen mom. I often say, If you're a teenage mom and you walk into the grocery store with a baby on your hip, someone's going to look at you funny and you know they're wondering, are you their sister or their mother? And that's just sort of someone being curious or it's fairly innocuous. But um, the type of judgment and stigma that teen moms face face goes all the way to intrusive uh, judgment from doctors or teachers or honestly the church feeling like wherever they go, Someone is thinking you're never going to make it. Your child's never going to make it. You're, go- you're a statistic now and your child is going to be a statistic. Dealing with that, just not having a place to belong or feel welcome is really one of the drivers behind Hope House. Um, it's so important that our teenage moms have a place where they feel like this is my place. I belong here. I'm cared for and loved here. I'm safe here. Someone sees me and and wants to know my story. And my story is important because my story can impact my community. And it's a privilege to get to help our moms tell their story in a way that feels empowering and connected and and able to share with their community their strength, their bravery, their problem-solving skills. These moms would leap tall buildings in a single bound to um build a different life for their child when, than what they experienced themselves. But they need someone to come alongside them to show them what that looks like. And that can be anything from, hey, I didn't grow up in a home where anybody ever read books to us. Um, I didn't have a bedtime routine. I didn't eat dinner at the table. There were 12 people living in a two-bedroom apartment and there were police were always coming to my house If it's as simple as telling our mamas, hey, if you read to your child, they're going to do better in school, they're immediately saying, hey, give me books. How do I get books then? Um, They've never been to the library. They don't have access to books. Books are a big thing. We're always giving out books at Hope House. And then, of course, it goes all the way to the much more complicated end of hey, I'm in a really unhealthy relationship, or I need to learn how to set boundaries with unhealthy family members. And those things obviously take much more time and are much harder and deeper kind of work to have to do than, you know, just learning that reading to your kiddo makes a difference.
0: Wow. So much great work happening at Hope House. And I think also critically important work to make sure that those teen parents don't end up in those dismal statistics that you quoted really earlier on. It sounds like there are three key areas that you focus on for Hope House. Can you tell us about those programs? Absolutely. So we started out, as I
1: said, as just a residential home for a few moms. Today, we operate three primary programs. Our housing support program includes that residential home, which is still on our campus here in Arvada. And the housing support program really started um, to grow probably First of the year last year, when we just saw this outpouring of need around housing and homelessness, as the impact of COVID was so severe for those who are already at risk and definitely for our teen moms. So the housing support program provides our residential home, which can house six moms and their children, and then includes all sorts of partnerships and really us beginning to understand what's house, what's happening in the housing landscape in general in the Denver metro area, um, making more connections. Uh, Being on the HMIS, the housing um, system database, uh, really being able to find resources for our teen moms and get them where they need to be in terms of moving forward with housing. And that's everything from how do we address the crisis that's walking through the door to how do we help a mom learn how to roommate, save money, um, find an apartment, which is, of course, terribly difficult to afford here in Denver. Understanding the differences between low-income housing, affordable housing, and don't ask me what those are because I'm still learning and our housing support program manager could answer that question better than me. All the way to, we serve our moms from the ages of 15 through, they come into our program between the age of 15 and 20 and we serve them until they turn 25. So our 23, 24 year olds, we have some who are looking at how do I buy a home? So the housing support program um, encompasses all of those things. The empower program is really the umbrella program over everything we do under education and personal self-sufficiency. So we measure self-sufficiency in two ways, personal self-sufficiency and economic self-sufficiency. Economic self-sufficiency includes education, transportation, childcare, housing, uh, legal. Am I, do I have legal issues I'm trying to resolve? And then personal self-sufficiency as we talked about is just, Harder and much more long term. So, healthy relationships. Um, and do I have a teachable spirit? Am I self aware? Um, do I have self confidence and agency? Do I need to heal past traumas and hurts? Um, so that it includes counseling, um, personal growth, education, all of the things that we need to kind of move forward on a personal level. And then our early learning and school age program, the third program, supports our little ones. And that includes our parenting program. And um, soon we'll include a new early learning center, which I know we'll talk about. But currently, our um, early learning program provides three hours of care on site in our resource center while teen moms are working on their GED or college education or other classes.
0: I love it. So it's like a three-legged stool, essentially, making sure that the moms have housing, they have care for their children, And they also have the education and the self-sufficiency skills to really move forward in their own lives. So cool. So yes, talking about the Child Care Center, this is one of my favorite questions. And I love talking about these things. Of course, you just broke ground on your Child Care Center at Hope House. So congratulations on that. It was awesome that we could have an epic team member there to witness the excitement with everyone. Can you tell us what the process has been like pursuing an early care and education center and recommendations you might have so far for people who are considering that work?
1: Well, that's a big question. Um, I would say it's been in planning stage for a really long time. So the top three barriers to self-sufficiency and our mission is to help our moms become self-sufficient are housing, childcare, and transportation. And childcare is so difficult. As most of you listening to this podcast know, we live in a state that is just almost a child care desert across the state. So in the city of Arvada, well, really, I think statewide, we have only one child care spot available for every three children who need one. And if you're looking for a CCAP spot, which is Ch- Colorado Child Care Assistance Program, um, which all of our teenage moms qualify for, you are going to have an even harder time finding a spot for your child. And then top it off with if mom finally does find child care and has, say, a small, maybe an infant, and then she also has a kindergartner, during the summer, typically our moms are going to quit their job or stop going to school because their infant has care, but their school age child does not. And so we just have this gamut of issues around child care for our teen moms and honestly they cannot move forward um, it's taking so long to find a spot oftentimes months and months to find a spot for a teen mom to um, access childcare with CCAP. So it's critically important that we were able to build a childcare center for our moms. We started this, honestly, we began planning this back in 2012 when we first started planning to build this new resource center. We have about a 15,000 square foot resource center where we provide all of the classes and programs that I just talked about. Um, We put in the infrastructure for, like the underground infrastructure, plumbing and sewer, for the child care center, when we built the resource center, um, knowing that we would eventually build that um, child care center. We didn't think we'd be able to build it until probably 2024, even start a capital campaign for it because of COVID. But we had a miracle gift last year that um, moved everything up uh, a notch. Um, We had an amazing family come forward and say they'd give us a $1 million lead gift for our capital campaign if we could raise the rest of the money necessary to build the thing by the end of the year last year. So it was a huge lift last year. We raised over $4 million last year. We didn't quite meet the goal because building costs are very high and they just continue to go up. Um, So the cost of our center went from 4.6 to 5.4 million um, to build. I think in some ways we're a little bit positioned to build something from the ground up in a way that maybe others are not simply because we are a nonprofit and we're 20 years old and we have a a very um, loyal and amazing donor database um, who we were able to go to and, you know, make requests for this building. However, I don't know where we would be without Epic because honestly this, the cost to build this center has gone so high that we hit the end of our abilities with our donors. We have to apply for grants and the types of grants that, We've never applied for. We don't typically apply for state level grants. Um, so this is new to us. And the opportunity to be a project of promise for with EPIC and have the technical assistance from EPIC to help us with those grants and help us with the process of licensing and the many things that go into building a child care center has been
0: critical. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that we've been able to help you. And I love that you had the vision and the forethought to put the infrastructure in for a child care facility years ago. And that, you know, a donor coming forward and really all these things coming together has made this something that you could tackle even earlier than you expected. Because um, it certainly sounds like this is really critical to your mission and the success of the moms that you support too. Absolutely. It- Is there a powerful story or an example that you can share of how Hope House and the supports that your organization provides has helped a parent in their career and their workforce endeavors and then, of course, ultimately their child or their children with their development?
1: Absolutely. There are so many. I mean, of course, not all of our stories are success stories, but um, so many of them are. And one of the beautiful things about serving our teen moms for the length of time that we do is that we... It takes a long time. There's a lot of backwards and forwards when you're moving towards self-sufficiency. So one of our moms, Janelle, started in our GED program uh, before we even built our resource center. It was when we were leasing this tiny little space in Westminster, and she had begun coming in, was pretty shy, sort of held herself back, didn't talk to staff as much as other moms did. And one day, I uh, kind of had a little meltdown with our, our um, GED coordinator and told her that she was just struggling to study because she was living in her car um, with her little one. And we didn't know that or we would have jumped on it sooner, but we had gotten to the point where we'd built enough trust and relationship that she felt comfortable sharing, hey, I'm, I'm in trouble, I live in my car. Um, we got her into a hotel that night. Um, there was actually a huge snowstorm. I picked her up myself, honestly, because I was the only one available that night got her into a a hotel, and then a few days later, we're able to get her into our residential program. Um, She ended up finishing her GED. She definitely had, she just thrived in that kind of structured setting of our residential program. Not all moms do, but this particular mom uh, really thrived with the structure of that program. Her little one, Jojo, um, he thrived in the structure. He would, we had this saying, welcome to Hope House, where all your dreams come true, and Jo picked that statement up. So we had this adorable video of him at three saying, welcome to Hope House while all your dreams come true. Um, And it was just, it was so sweet. I love that. (laughs) She she stayed with us in the residential program for probably nine months, uh, moved out, was able to move into uh, with a roommate, um, went to uh, CCD and got an associate's degree in applied science um, through with help from our college and career program. Graduated with an associate's. Uh, It was amazing to get to be at her graduation ceremony and see her in her cap and gown. Um, Our college graduation rate is about 20% versus the national average of 2%. She had a little, uh, on the back of her graduation cap, she had written in big letters, I am the 2%. And so she graduated, um, got an internship with Ball Aerospace, and that turned into a full-time job as a machinist with Ball Aerospace. And today she is married and she and her husband own a home. Um, She's 26 years old. She was able to purchase her home right before she became an alumni. So right before she turned 25 and hers is just a beautiful lengthy story of being with us for many years um, and kind of growing within the program and having the support she needed along the way. And for Joseph, the very first picture I put up in my office um, when we moved into our resource center and I got an office because I'd never had one. He drew me this picture of all the moms throwing their caps up. He was seven years old by that point, And he drew a picture of moms in their graduation gowns throwing their caps in the air. And I framed it. And it's um, the picture I look at when I come in every morning because it's just such a beautiful picture of what he knows he and his mama got at Hope House. Uh, we didn't have an early learning center for Joseph to go to at the time, but we were able to help Janelle get her son into um, an ECE program that was instrumental for him and uh, eventually helped him, you know, get into,
0: get into elementary school. And he's been thriving. Wow, what a great story. It, I think stories are so great because it helps people remember and find their why. And you talking about that picture that's on your wall when you walk into your office every day, you know, we all need the why that we see from time to time to remind us why we're doing this work. And I think, you know, the story of a mom going from living in her vehicle and in her, in her car with her child to then having a successful career and owning a home and having a bright future is really what Hope House is about. And your resource center is beautiful as well. So anyone who has the time to visit Hope House, check it out in Nevada. Um, it's a great place to visit. Um, truly inspirational. I've had a chance to, to visit, and um, I think it's life-changing to see some of the work they do there. So, Lisa, you joined Epic as an executive member about a year ago. Why should local business leaders, especially women and minorities, be interested in joining Epic and getting involved as a member?
1: Well, I could probably spend the rest of our time talking about this question. Um, it has been... And I'm not just saying this because you're asking Nicole. It has been pivotal to us to be a part of EPIC on several levels. Um, first of all, the, the technical assistance has been incredible. We've never opened a child care center. We don't know about the licensing regulations and the, how you have to make sure that you build it to licensing standards and, All of the things from the very beginning as you're um, either building or remodeling or opening a child care center that you need to know, EPIC is there to help you to understand. Um, In addition to that, um, I had the privilege to join the policy committee and watching EPIC do the advocacy work that they do for children in our community and not it is, of course, about our children, but it's also about our businesses. If we don't have a talent pipeline for our businesses because our talent and employees can't access childcare, then we have a critical issue. And Epic is there to advocate for policies and regulations that will make a difference for childcare for our businesses, um, and talent pipeline into those businesses. And it's been a privilege to get to be a part of that work and see how Epic is just really good at coalition building and bringing people together from all areas of our community and all levels um, from legislative, private and, and public partnership. Let me tell you, if you want to know what's going on in the child care world, Epic knows. Like I don't know how they have their ear to the ground on so many things, but they know everything happening in this world. And it's been critical to us. Um, one great example is our entire child care center, all of the fundraising around that early learning um, center was eligible or is eligible for the child care tax credit, the Colorado child care tax credit. That tax credit was up for renewal in our, um, uh, for up for renewal through the legislative process this year. And Nicole and her team have been huge proponents helping to get that this passed. Um, I know we're not quite there yet, but we're very close to having a final passage of the, the Colorado Child Care Tax Credit, meaning donors to our program get a 50% tax credit on their state income tax for either personal or business um, income tax, that's huge. That's a fundraising tool we couldn't have done without. Um, so having Epic uh, uh, there to advocate for that has been critical.
0: That's awesome. I love, love hearing stories about that. And it's been truly a pleasure to have you as a, an executive member and involved in this work too, Lisa. So thank you. You thank you. you said it better than I ever could. So um, th- thank you so much. Yes. So you're known to many as an empowery to teen moms everywhere. What's your advice to anyone finding themselves in a situation where they're facing the challenges of teenage parenthood, or maybe they know someone who's facing those challenges.
1: Well, the first thing I would say is if you're, in relationship with a teen mom and she's scared and she's lonely and she wants to do a good job, but she just doesn't know how. A, send her our direction, but B, you can also go to the Colorado teen parent collaborative website and find resources for organizations and individuals who are working with teenage moms across the state. Um, I'm very proud to be one of the founding members of the Colorado teen parent collaborative um, we are at this point the only collaborative of its kind in our nation. Um, we hope to see others uh, forming um, in other states. But you can go to that website and find toolkits on how to, um, what is Title IX and what are your teen mom's rights in school? Um, what are her legal rights? You can find um, a toolkit around legal advocacy and, and what sorts of, um, how can I help a mom who maybe is, is working through parenting orders or custody issues Uh, You can find a toolkit around CCAP and how do I access CCAP? Um, There are so many tools on that Colorado Teen Parent Collaborative website. Um, Of course, I would invite them to come and take a tour at Hope House as well. Um, Thank you for your kind words, Nicole. We strive to make Hope House a place to belong for teenage moms um, in our community, and we would welcome a tour. One thing you have to know when you walk through the door of Hope House as a teenage mom, you are going to feel welcomed seen,
0: heard, loved, and valued the minute you walk through that door. I love that. I think belonging and feeling recognized and valued is so important, and those are great resources to pass along as well. Well, last question. uh, What are you most excited about for the future for Hope House and, you know, any improvements that you hope to see in our state for supporting teen parents Well, thank you so much for asking. I am so excited, of course, about our early learning
1: center, which will open in July 2024. If construction stays on track, we'll be able to serve 100 children of our teenage moms and um, potentially also of the um, workforce that will be working there. I would say uh, the other exciting thing for us looking into the future is that we're in the beginning stages of building an affiliate network um, nationwide. We have Hope House No Co, which is a resource center for teenage moms in Greeley, and then Hope House Canyon City um, is opening this month um, as a residential program in Canyon City. Uh, we're in in talks with several other groups in other states. Um, We're kind of building out the training modules for this. All of our affiliates are their own nonprofits, have their own 501c3, own board of directors, do their own fundraising. um, But we do the training and equipping and help them to launch and um, be successful, hopefully serving teen moms in their community much more quickly than it took us uh, learning everything we've learned over 20 years. What I would want people to know for how you can help teen parents is just to, again, get involved with EPIC get involved with the advocacy work that they're doing. They're looking at all of the barriers that that we face for childcare in our state and um, are really the first ones on the front
0: lines to be uh, trying to remove those barriers for childcare. So get engaged. Thanks, Lisa. It's exciting to hear about the growth and expansion opportunities as well, because I'm sure the demand for your services and the need out there is tremendous. So excited to see more Hope House models emerging. Well, thank you, Lisa, for your time today. It's been an honor and a privilege speaking with you, and I wish you the best of luck and all the best with Hope House and everything that you are pursuing right now. You definitely have quite a bit going on this year, so hopefully it all stays on track, as you said. Um, We appreciate your time, your advocacy, everything you do with us at EPIC, and also, of course, uh, the time you took today to join us on the Drop-Off podcast. Thank you for your service to early child care and education, and best of luck. Thank you. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit ColoradoEpic.org.